This is Gina Zwicky. You're listening to the So Much Pingle podcast. I'm out here in John Lafitte Bear Ontario with a group of Harpers for Frog Watch USA data collection trip. Excellent. listening to so much pingle the podcast about herpetology field herping and anything and everything about amphibians and reptiles join us each week as mike and his guests explore the amazing world of herps across our planet and now bringing a half century of experience and perspective to the microphone here's your host mike pingleton Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Mike Pingleton here, and I am your host for these proceedings, and this is episode 38. It's good to talk with you all again, and I hope everyone remains safe and healthy. So here we are again. It's Sunday morning. I've got a cup of coffee, and I am back in the booth after a bit of a hiatus, and it feels really good to be back in front of a microphone again. I was away from home for the first 21 days in in April, and the first week of which was spent hiking around in Flippington in various southern states with a platoon-sized group of herpers. And after that, I left my car at the New Orleans airport and headed off to Petaway for my first ever visit to that country. So there was lots of driving and flying and herping and other cool stuff, and uh, I also recorded material for a couple of shows, including this one. Now, before we dive into things, we have some new patrons of the show. I want to give a big shout-out to Jeremy Schumacher, Neil Jones, and Alec Gordon. Thank you all so much. I appreciate your support of this entertainment channel. And thanks, as always, to all of the show's supporters. And if you're new to the show and you would like to kick in a few bucks to keep it rolling, please see the show notes for more on ways to contribute. Now, let's get to this week's episode, and I've got some ground to cover in order to set this up properly. So, on April Fool's Day, I drove south to New Orleans, and I met up with a group of field herpers there. Some were local, and some from Mississippi and Alabama, and then more from all points of the compass. And uh, I didn't realize how big the group would be, and indeed, it's the largest group I've ever been in the field with. Uh, So, the big group visited various places across Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama, And there were a lot of awesome amphibians and reptiles encountered along the way. Uh, One of the coolest encounters, at least for me, was a beast of a Mississippi corn snake, uh, which was all of five feet in length and a male to boot. I always need more corn snakes in my life, and this was an impressive serpent to say the least. And there were spiny and smooth soft shells and a rainbow snake and many other cool herps. Uh, And one night we crashed at Pat's place in Alabama, and he made us all a big pot of gumbo that was incredibly good. Uh, Thank you again, Pat. And, oh, I want to also thank Tamara McConnell for providing a fantastic lunch one day to a group of hungry, hungry harpers. Thank you, Tamara. Near the end of the trip, we converged back in Louisiana at our friend Armin's hunting camp uh, back in the woods, which is where this episode was recorded. And with such a large group, I knew I had to get some herping stories recorded, and uh, boy, did I get some. And everyone was kind enough to indulge me and participate in the show, and thanks to you all for that. And before we get to the show, I have a little side adventure to share. 
Our first night in New Orleans, a big chunk of the group headed out to the Jean Lafitte National Reserve, where we met up with Gina Zwicky. And y'all may remember Gina from episode 30, where we talked with her about her work with NOLA Frog Watch and Anole Genetics and many other cool things. And so we met with Gina at dusk in, in an area in Jean Lafitte that has a boardwalk out into the swamp, and uh, she led us on a frog watch expedition. So we stopped at different spots along our walk to gather data, uh, to you know, starting with a couple minutes of silence, which uh, allows the frogs to return to normal and, and get over all the yakking herpers. And, and then that, that was followed by several minutes of intense listening, where we made mental notes of how many frog species were calling and and at what intense intensity? Uh, like, was it onesies and twosies calling, or was it a full chorus? And we pooled our observations with Gina, and she put all that data together uh, for a report. And it, it's called Frog Watch, but it's really more like Frog Listen. But I suppose we were all watching with our ears. And the overall project goal is to keep watch on the status of our frog friends. Very important. So I recorded a few minutes of the frog watch process on my phone for y'all to listen to. And to be fair, not everyone was aware that I was recording and some of the participants will be surprised to hear this, but of course, no names will be mentioned. And, uh, and here we go. And then feel to it. Um, for yeah, it's a little more claustrophobic. It's cool though. So if you guys want to do that, I'm going to join you for a little bit, but I'm freezing. So it might be. We're going to go um, see how warm Bourbon Street is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Well, let me start the timer. We'll do our two-minute acclimation, three-minute monitoring, and I'll start that now. So two separate individuals for the pig frogs? Yes. Two. Also heard a couple green frogs. Greens, yeah. I heard individuals, but they were in different spots. Yeah. Okay. This cricket's just started again. Yeah, yeah I heard so the, the crickets were yeah, they going got at it quiet at the beginning. Right after we started listening. Yeah, yeah. Funny, huh? They're like, oh, they're listening. All right, so we got pig frogs, green frogs, cricket frog, leopard frogs. There's something funny too. Yeah. No. Yeah. Anything else? Owl frogs. Yeah, I was distracted. I forgot about the frogs for a second. Something's splashing over there. All right, it is now 52 degrees. Insane. Yeah, it's the frog one. Originally, I'm from there. All right, you already keep going. Yeah, we're going to the ground. Are you sure? Yeah, how intense? Could you I was thinking about that the entire time. So saying that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard a chorus of Clementine's death the Palmetto Trail. Anybody? Yeah, I think that was that was it. I heard. Uh, I heard Southern leopard frogs behind. You did? Just two. I, I think I heard. Yeah, I heard one like yeah. single leopard call. Yeah. Watch, we've watched the frogs. Gina, thank you. Thank, thank you, guys. Awesome. This was such a treat.
Yeah, that was, that was awesome. That was awesome. Y'all heading to Bourbon Street? Yeah, we're going to go uh, rip it up a little bit. All right, good. You got it, it while you're here. You, you got it, yeah. Yeah, that's mandatory. <laughs> <laughs> we have no choice in the matter. No, it just, it just sucks no, you down. We have a mandate. So, there you go. Not the greatest recording, but that was a taste of the Frog Watch process. And I want to thank Gina and her fiancé, Dom, for coming out and letting us be a part of the NOLA Frog Watch experience. I had a great time, and it was great to meet Gina and Dom in person, and I want to congratulate them on their upcoming wedding later this year. Uh, Gina also came out with us for a bit the next day, and she got to see her first New Orleans canebrake rattlesnake. So, yay! Okay, so let's get to our weekend at Armin's. I got a chance to talk with the group while we were eating dinner. And just about the time I thought the show was wrapping up, uh, somebody else would come up with a great story. And uh, so I ended up talking with everyone there. So let's get to it. Are we all here? Okay. Okay, here we go. Uh, this show is uh, appropriately titled Live from Armin's, and I have got a huge assembly of people here. Say hello, everyone. Hello. No, really. Hey! All right, thank you so much. That's much better. So um, to start this off, uh, I have to say that the invitations went out to some of the greatest field herpes biologists and herpetologists on the planet, and y'all showed up instead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, no kidding. Uh, I have some of the preeminent North American field herpers here and, and sitting around uh, Armin's camp here, and we're in, somewhere in Louisiana. I don't want to get too specific um, because this place is really cool. And, and uh, <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so I thought it'd be fun to sort of record a show here uh, we are outside of this wonderful camp, which is uh, situated in the woods. Uh, we have our new friend, Greg, who was graciously wheeled in this huge kettle and, and cooked us all this, this jambalaya. And it, it's like jambalaya for a stadium. You know, it's just this huge, huge pot of jambalaya. And I think everybody had plenty of it. It was very good. And I want to thank you so much for doing that, Greg. You're welcome. It was fun. All right. Very good. And uh, let's give a big hand for Greg for putting together. Okay. All right. Hey, guys. Uh, you can't, can't stay? You got to go? All right. Well, I wouldn't want to be on this show either. Okay. Young man, you're not going anywhere, are you? You're staying here, right? Okay. Very good. Nice to meet you. All right. Thank you so much. So I want to start this off uh, with um, one of the sub subtexts for this show is not just a big party in, in the woods, which is, this is, but I also wanted to get people up and tell stories because we all like to hear stories. And last night we sat around a campfire we, and we had some you know bever adult beverages and we told lots of interesting stories. So I thought we'd try to capture some of that stuff. And uh, first up, yeah, I'm going to reach out to John Burris, who's been on the show before, and Tim Morfa, and they're going to give us a little bit of a breakdown of something that happened in Mexico 
maybe two weeks ago, 10 short days ago. Uh, I'm still trying to block my memory from that incident, so let's talk to them for a minute. All right, John, Tim, so give us the situation and tell us where we were at and what happened. And don't make anything up because I'll know. Uh, I was there, so I'll know. <laughs> Go ahead. Thanks, Mike. Great to be with you. Tim, I'll let you start by where we were and what we were doing. Uh, we flew into Austin and drove down to Cuatro Cienegas in Coahuila to check out the uh, three endemic turtle species. And we uh, got it in our heads once we got there that we wanted to go look for Scalopris cauchi. We had a local contact who thought he knew where we might find them, and he told me it was 80 kilometers away, which in my brain translates to about an hour. So we were supposed to meet our guide at the hotel at 8 a.m., and Tim gets a text saying, let's meet downtown at the square, and he's looking for the cowboy. We say, the cowboy? Okay, now there's an, another person in the equation. That's cool. So um, the cowboy shows up in a unbelievably battered 1998 Dodge Ram that looks like it's been rolled off a cliff about nine times. Uh, windshield's broken. Every body panel is smashed. The interior is completely destroyed. When Mike leaned on the dash, it crumbled like an eggshell. Yeah, I think I think the da- I think what happened was the airbags deployed. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and there was, and then the dash deteriorated from there. Yeah, my eyes immediately went to the windshield. That was scattered cracks throughout, and then I did notice a bullet hole surrounding <laughs> the cracks as well. So I did kind of wonder where we were going to go and what we were going to do, um, but. What we were told for 40 bucks that our Nissan Altima wouldn't make it where we were going. And so we said, let's go. Yeah, so five of us piled in the truck, this just unbelievable heap. We all jumped in and we drove for an hour on the paved road and then stopped at a tire shop and patched the tire that was going flat and then proceeded to head into the Chihuahuan Desert where there are no roads, just going down a little guess you could call it a two-track. It really wasn't, but, uh, and we kept heading uh, deeper and deeper into the desert. And every hour I would ask our uh, local friend, so where are we going? And he kept pointing at the mountains in the distance. And then after they passed us, I would ask him again, so where are we going? And he would say, you know, up ahead further. I think all of us brought one bottle of water. We, we each brought one bottle. Yeah. When we started, we were going to bring our snorkel equipment to snorkel with the turtles. And the remark was, well, we'll do that early afternoon. It'll warm up and it'll be better to snorkel with them. So we all grabbed one bottle of water for this trip. Well, it should be mentioned, too, that it took us an hour on the highway to get there because the truck wouldn't go over 30 miles an hour. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and we got there. And I'll be honest, I was really excited. You know, they take down the barbed wire. And I'm like, wow, we're going to go in there. This is something I've always wanted to do, get, you know, as remote as we can. And yeah, we got really remote. Um, probably about every 15, 20 minutes, we stopped. Uh, the, to re- repair the truck. He would, our driver would go under the truck where it looked like the fuel line was to me and do something. And we would smell gas. 
And we asked him what's wrong with it, and he said there was something wrong with the wires, but I, I'm pretty sure it was the fuel line that had an issue. And the, the tire kept going flat, and then he would pump it up with one of those ancient pumps, and then we'd continue further into the desert with our single bottles of water. Yeah. And when, how long did that go on for? Four, four hours. The trip in? Wow. Yeah, the trip in. Well, maybe it was three hours after Total. we got off the highway. Yeah. yeah. And so at this point, I want to interject here, but at this point, all of us independently in our own little minds are wondering the logistics of walking out to the highway. <laughs> with, with one bottle of water. With one bottle of water. Yeah. I don't know how far we went in, but it, I'm, I don't know, 50 miles off the pavement. I mean, it was, it was pretty deep and it was remote. There was nothing out there. Absolutely nothing. Just broken rocky ridges and cactus and... No, no hint of civilization. And we drove to where the road stopped. Absolutely. And then yeah. we got out and we walked a couple miles up into this sandstone and, canyon. And when we say road, uh, the seats were broken, resting on our legs, very uncomfortable. Uh, I know Mike. It's a hot over hot air balloon over the camp right now. <laughs> and I thought it was great. We were about an hour in, and Mike's Apple Watch beeps and says, "Do you want to record this workout?" <laughs> so Mike got a free workout out of it. I did. I got like 15,000 steps in that car that day. So. I think I also joked about an hour, hour and a half in, and I said, don't worry, Mike, we're probably halfway. And I think we were about halfway. And you halfway. were right. <laughs> well, I couldn't believe that we fit five of us in that truck. It was not designed for five people and five, you know, adult males. But, uh, yeah, we bounced around down this road and went on our long hike. And by then, our, lo- our water was long gone after the hike. Yeah, and we still have to drive out. So, uh, and we're wondering, okay, are we going to get out of here today? Didn't have any food. Water's gone. And John looked at me and he goes, "We might be sleeping here." I started to wonder how cold the desert gets at night. <laughs> how are we going to get water? And that we would probably be the first three to go because I think those guys could go for a long time without water. I think so, too. And then I was wondering if the radiator had water or glycol in it, because if it had water in it, we could probably drink the radiator. And, you know, because I don't want to be on one of those survival shows where the first thing, oh, we got a flat tire. It's time to drink our pee. You know, I don't want to <laughs> well, <laughs> we want to get involved in that kind of thing. You know, we were assured that there was water in the canyon. It was absolutely guaranteed to us that there was water in the Arroyo. It was bone dry, yeah. completely dry. And we did not get our target lizard. We got some other lizards, but we did not find the uh, uh, mythical Scaloparus couchy. So, and then we had to come out and I know everybody's throat, everybody's mouth is dry as cotton. And, um, we're sitting there hoping, bouncing back, all of our internal organs are shifting around, uh, as we bounce back out of the desert and, uh, and then chugged down the highway at 30 miles an hour. And then we get into the civilization and what happens then? We don't get right back to where we started. No, we went herping again. No, they, I'm talking about the the driver decides to stop and chat. Oh, yeah, that's right. He had to visit his, his distant relatives for a while <laughs> yeah. while we were severely dehydrated. <laughs> and going to the sketchy, I mean, I legitimately was concerned. I I would have put money on us not making it out of there. There's, I don't know that we've described the truck well enough. That I mean, it was literally breaking down like every 15 minutes. Well, instead of the plastic dashboard... The, they had taken the floor mats, the, a floor mat, and stretched it across where the dashboard had been, and cut holes for the vents, where the where the defroster for the defroster and stuff. So, and we also figured out 
probably about halfway in that it was a two-wheel drive truck when we had to push it when we got stuck in the sand. Yeah. And we pushed it several times. Yeah. But we made it back and uh, continued on our herp trip. And I think we had a fine Mexican dinner that night. Yeah, we did. But, you know, uh, it, we never br- we should have brought more water. And that's always, it seems like that's always the big lesson on this show is... Bring more water. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and uh, I'm sure everyone here has got some kind of water story to tell. But this isn't the water show, so hopefully we'll hear some other stories as we go along. <laughs> well, thanks, guys, for telling that story. And I'm going to walk around here and see if I've got somebody else who's going to give me a sketchy story. Who's my next victim? Don't all jump up at once. I got another water one, so give me later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I think uh, when, where is the uh, where's the youngster at? I think I'm going to step over a fire here, and we're going to talk to Preston. And uh, Preston, who is uh, how old are you again? Thirteen. Oh, talking to that microphone. Tell us. Thirteen. Thirteen. And uh, you uh, like herping a lot? Yes, sir. Okay. And uh, you've you're uh, we're down here in uh, oh, there's bees up there. Are we going to have a bee show? Another bee episode? <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, so you had you went to uh, Mexico, yes, sir, and had a herping experience. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. So we went to Mexico, like Cabo, on Mexico. What year? Uh, two thousand eighteen. Two thousand eighteen, and like, it was like a family trip, and me and my dad would go snake hunting like during the night. Like we would scan um like side of like the road, like the rocks. Right rock cuts and we find like liar snakes um rosy boas night snakes and yeah it was a lot of fun so what was your what was your did you have a favorite find on the trip yeah probably the rosy boa rosy boas very good and so are you eager to go out and do some more of this stuff as 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 you go along with your dad and i'd like to go out the country more find snakes out there out, out, out of the country? Yes, sir. Okay. So you and I talked about Peru a little bit, so you probably want to come to the rainforest sometime. Oh, yeah. That'd be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'd like to have you come down sometime, and uh, well, I hope you get to travel a lot. And you're, you're a young fellow, so you've got a lot of, a lot of time ahead, yeah. so you can make some plans and get some things done. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, thanks for talking to us. Thank you. So I, I think one story... One story I want to hear is the famous bee story. As I creep across this circle. So who's going to tell the bee story? All right. So I was, I was heading for Matt. There might be, I mean, it's got to have, I'm going to have to have some help. All right. Hang on. Got to talk into the microphone. Matt was there. Eric was there. All right. So Eric, get over here. Let's hear, let's hear about the bee story. Do you want me to tell stories? Or names? Just first names. First names. Correct. Yeah. Okay. If I don't like them, I'll change them. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that works. <laughs> okay. You get that one. And you share that one with Eric. All right. Okay. Let's hear the B story. Okay. B story. Um, this was in, does anybody, do you, either of you guys remember what year that was? I can't remember. No. It was... 2014. 2014-ish? Yes. Okay, 2014-ish. Um, we went South Texas, and we went to do some herping in the spring. And we had uh, 
someone from South Texas that was taking us around a little bit, and uh, Kyle. And he kept saying, oh, you know, be careful over here, be careful over there, the bees. And, uh, oh, there's a bee problem over there, don't go over there. Anyway, we stopped, we were stopping at multiple places to flip various cover, artificial and non-artificial Can you guys cover. talk about what kind of bees we're talking about? We're talking about killer bees. The Africanized Africanized bees. killer bees, you bet. And uh, so anyway, we get to a, a spot, and and Kyle, we, there, we had two cars, and Kyle had a, um, he had he said he had a couple things that was just a really short flip, and uh, so I was riding with Eric, and uh, we pulled up, and I said, you guys can stay in the car, and uh, me, um, this is Kyle, me, Matt, and Tim are going to head up the hill. And hit the spot real quick. If we see something cool, we'll bring it back. So me and Eric, we're like, okay, we're bored. So Eric is a photographer, and he had some pictures, and he was he was kind of scanning through his pictures on his phone of some local talent that he had photographed. And as we're looking through this, Kyle, he comes flying down the sandy hill, and he's high-stepping. He's a long guy anyway. He's got long legs. And he's just kicking his knees up, and he he runs down right to the front of Eric's car, and he slides across it while dancing is what it appeared to be. And he was he was he was dancing around, and I, at first my first reaction was, "Wow, these guys found something really really cool," and he is super excited about it. And uh, but the next words out of his mouth is, "Open the car," because the car was locked. And uh, I looked at Eric, and I said, should we let him in? And Eric's like, no. <laughs> There's nothing we can do for them now. <laughs> Shortly after Kyle did that, Kyle's running around their car, and Tim comes flying down the hill. And we're, we're parked next to an RV park, and um, there's a lady out, and she's got a hose and she's spraying this down the side of her trailer and Tim runs straight past us it through her yard and just continues to go through multiple yards full speed swatting at his head and he's, and with bees. He, he's got bees chasing him you can see him physically bees there's bees coming so is it like the cartoon with the cloud of bees and what it reminded me of was Tommy boy and the bees scene when the when the police officer shows up and they're like, oh, he knows how to get out of it. Just tell him there's bees. And they're rolling around screaming bees and the burning flesh and all that. So <laughs> so anyway, Tim's gone. And uh, at, at this point, the, uh, um, I assume the man of the, ho- or man of the trailer comes out and looks at his wife. And they exchange some words. And she points down where Tim, uh, Tim ran, all the while still spraying the side of her trailer like nothing's going on. Other than a man just ran through her yard being chased by bees shortly during this period while tim's disappearing matt stumbles down the hill much slower and and kyle's yelling at him to unlock the car um matt had the keys and as matt's coming down and he's like he's fumbling in his pocket and he's running the car as well and uh he's fumbling in his pocket trying to get the keys out and as he rounds the corner of the car, his back is to me and Eric. And we're watching this as if we're watching a film because there's no bees in our car. 
But Matt's back was covered in bees, hundreds of bees. I mean, he had the majority, the vast majority of that hive was on Matt. Well, Eric, <laughs> do you have anything to contribute to this at this point? Uh, yeah, it's basically like uh, Sean said, uh, Matt was running around fumbling for his keys. His back was just a beehive. It's like they, it's where they made their hive. And uh, he uh, he gets his keys and he, he drops them. <laughs> so he's... He's still running though. He doesn't stop and pick them up, and he, he tries to. Yeah, he makes another. He makes another circle around the car and tries to swoop them up, and and we're just me and Sean are just watching like, oh, you know, just it's <laughs> yeah, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was entertaining, but you know, you, you're hoping for the best, so, and so, <laughs> so you had this whole. There's nothing we can do for them. That's that's well, so. <laughs> I kind of sound cold-hearted, but I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm allergic to bees. I got stung by one, and it swole up really big. So I'm like, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> There's no hope. <laughs> no, but uh, they, uh, Matt finally uh picked up his keys and unlocked the uh, car, and uh, so him and uh, Kyle dove in. So uh, me and Sean were like, well, let's go get Tim, and hopefully he's all right, and we. Drove down the road a little ways, and Tim was finally had slowed down, was walking, kind of swatting bees, and we got close, and he jumped in our car, and he was he was pretty pissed, you know, <laughs> he got attacked by bees, and uh, we're like, oh, let's go check on Matt and Kyle, and hopefully they're all right. So, so let me turn this story over. Let me turn the story over to Matt now. Well, let's now remember Matt is running around the car, trying to get in the car. So you want to explain why you were running around the car? Well, it was a rental car. And for some reason I locked it, even though we had friends sitting right next to it, but for whatever reason I locked the car. And, uh, so I forgot it was locked. So we came running down. That's the last thing on your mind when you have a cloud of bees chasing you. Um, so I went, I actually pulled the locks, the, the door handles and tried to open the door and nothing happened. And then I'm like, oh, you have to unlock the door. And then it's, so it's, I mean, this is like each thought, every time you have a thought, you get stung in the face by bees and that thought disappears from your head. <laughs> so it's replaced uh, by a stinger. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, I, I have to think about reaching in my pocket and grabbing the, the, uh, the keys and and then I tried to hit the unlock button because it was a rental, so I couldn't just do it from memory. I had to look to see which button was the unlock button because there's like 14 buttons on those things nowadays. And um, so finally, or I tried to hit the unlock button, got stung in the face, dropped the keys, ran around a couple times, and then eventually swooped them up. Finally said, I need to concentrate and hit the unlock button. And I finally did that. And Kyle's yelling at me, unlock the door. And I'm yelling at him, I'm trying. <laughs> so, and uh, he keeps yelling at me angrily, unlock the door. I'm like, okay. So I finally concentrate, hit the unlock button, and we jump in. With how many bees? I'm covered in bees. Kyle's covered in bees. We close the door. And then the windows are covered with bees on the, on the inside and out. So the ones on the inside had stung and were trying to leave. And the ones on the outside were angry and still trying to get into the car. They knew we were in there. So uh, we had bees all over both sides of the windows. And what about your shirt? Now, the, the, 
So the shirt was covered in bees, uh, covered in stingers. Yeah, the, I, it's the, we're talking about the back of your your like you have like a, like yeah. a sport shirt on or um, something. It was just a t-shirt. A t-shirt. Just a t-shirt. Yeah, it was loose. It was loose. I guess that's good because most of them didn't hit me. I still got 20, 25 stings, um, and uh, all over my neck and face, and some in the back, and some got under my shirt. It wasn't pretty. I know there's a number of people who are really allergic to bees, and they're probably all cringing right now or fast forwarding through this part of the show. Uh, and those those African Africanized honeybees are nothing to joke with, and it's uh, those those bees are some re- a result of some. Well, they have some African species of bees that were brought over for some kind of study, and they accidentally released them, and they hybridized with the local Texas bees and created this super bee that is extremely angry as a collective whole. Mm. They are not friendly. I will say that. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so that's the bee story. And you, your, did your face puff up? And um, not really. Uh, I actually, you know, after I realized I wasn't gonna die, uh, so I had my choice of going to the ocean because we were going to the Gulf or going to the car. Both were about a hundred yards away. Finally, chose the car. Um, and, uh, you know, then you heard you heard what happened when we got there. But uh, didn't it didn't. Uh, caused much of a, a reaction to the stings. I mean, the stings all hurt, obviously. Um, they got a little itchy. And then I started driving away, geez, after 30 minutes or so, we, you know, gathering myself and uh, started to drive away. And then I, I could feel the the venom flowing through my blood. And uh, so I had to pull over and somebody else had to drive. Did so. you feel weird? Oh, yeah. You? It was just, it was a strange sensation. It was, um, uh, just got real lightheaded and, uh, I mean, something was nef- definitely wrong. So, so have you gone back to seek out further bees? Uh, no, I try to avoid the bees now. I have been stung a few, I mean, I get stung a few times every year, but the cloud of bees, when I looked behind me and saw a cloud of bees coming at me, not fun. Just like in the cartoons, right? It was just like in the cartoons. Wow. So well, run. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. And, uh, I, I have to say, uh, Eric and Sean, um, your decision to remain <laughs> safely in your car was cruel and heartless, but I would have done the same thing. <laughs> yes, me, neither me nor um, Eric were stung once, just as a clarify that. And everyone else was stung at least well, multiple times. Multiple times. So I'd say the decision, although cold, was the correct one in the moment. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much, guys, for telling this story. I'm going to switch gears for just a minute here, and I'm going to bring it over to uh, a friend of the show. who has been on the show before, Mr. Alex Crone, who is also down here. Hi, Alex. Hi. I'm putting the microphone in front of your face because you found one of the really cool snakes today. You want to talk about that a little bit? Sure, yeah. And remember, uh, folks, we're down here in Louisiana. We're up in... Uh, uh, some you know, wooded situation. We're not down in in this in swampy uh, Louisiana like you see on uh, one of those shows on uh, on television where they got alligators and things like that. So, yeah, we're we're in the hardwood forest. We spent most of our trip kind of in the piney woods, but but now we're in the hardwoods, and um, we spent most of the day flipping tin and looking for cane breaks and. And I found the the only cane break of of our time here at. Uh, um, so what and, do you and, attribute that to? Skill, talent, dumb uh, luck? What would you say? I mean, I would say it was mostly luck, but but there is a bit of a strategy to it. And so, like, I mean, we've got 
too many people here for for flipping tin. And we've got one guy who knows where all the tin is. And so most people just kind of follow him in a line. And that's relatively inefficient because only like three people are needed to to flip a stack of tin. And so I tried to hang back in the back and and walk in areas that people weren't going to um, and just kind of take my time because I realized like even if I was at the the piece of tin or whatever, there's four other people there or more and and it just doesn't matter. So I tried to find snakes on my own and I was hanging back from the group and everyone was was walking along and uh, timber rattlesnakes or cane breaks just blend in so well that it is it's really hard to see them. And, um, and I, like many people here figured we had walked by a ton of them before, but sure enough, everyone had kind of walked by this, this ridge top that we were on. And I am looking down at my feet for no particular reason and put my right foot out and not two feet away is, uh, the beautiful cane break kind of cow pooped out like coiled up uh, I think it's it's cow pied cow pied excuse me Um, that's a technical term this Uh, is a G rated show we don't say poop right right sorry Um, cow pied in uh, just like there maybe 10 feet from the nearest tree uh, in the middle of the leaf litter um, I presume waiting for for a rodent to run by and yeah my foot was, was two feet away from it and that's confusing your foot was two feet away. right excuse right I, I can't do better than that my okay. foot was half a meter away from it there we and, go um i mean alex alex is a scientist so talk to us like a, right, a scientist right would. exactly okay. um but immediately like alarm bells went off in my head like stop don't move and i yelled everyone got a cane like come back and and you yeah. said did you say cane or cane break uh cane break yeah okay. everyone yeah okay. um i really i was hoping that i would find the only one because i really just wanted to yell timber but i it in the heat of the moment i totally forgot that but yeah sure enough uh it it didn't rattle once i think it it took like 10 people photographing it for it even to wake up and and start tongue flicking um, and, and it was really cool. It was, it was awesome to see, uh, cane break out there doing what it was doing, hanging out and, um, and, and get, everyone got lots of pictures of it. We all gathered around and yeah, it was, it was a good time. Good. Good. Thank yeah. you so much for that. Of course. For that report from the field. Sure. Appreciate that. Yeah. And I think, has everybody here seen a cane break or was that, is there somebody here who had never seen a cane break before? I had never seen one. Brandon, that was your first cane break? No. What? We saw one a couple days ago, but that was... Okay. Okay. So this is your first trip with cane breaks. Yeah. And some of you may have remember Brandon. He was on our show earlier today. uh, Earlier uh, last year, year. uh, we talked about... uh, We were in Baja, California. So uh, how's this trip trip going for you? It's going great. I I had a life list when I came, and I had five things marked off. Probably got around 15 or 20 now. So... Awesome. All right. Very Seeing a lot good. of cool things. A lot of Very things. good. Uh, glad to hear it. Now I'm going to go over here to Mr. Andrew Dubois. Okay. First cane break. How was it? Describe the action for us. Um, hi, Mike. Yeah. Um, so I really like rattlesnakes as a general rule of thumb because they're detectable and 
charismatic and uh, they hunt on the surface and all the, the things biologists like about those snakes. Um, so any biologists that are cool. They, I agree with you. Yeah. We're, we're on the same page on that point. Um, but yeah, <laughs> cane brakes are, are really cool. I don't know. Uh, all rattlesnakes are cool, but um, I really like timbers just because out West where I work in Colorado, most of our snakes like to hang out and really open situations on the plains with these scattered rock outcrops or prairie dog colonies. And so seeing a snake in a forest is always a real treat for me. I grew up in the woods in Illinois and didn't really grow up getting to see timbers. I saw my first timber rattlesnake in 2019, finally alive. Uh, I'd seen one dead on a road in 2015 that had just been hit and was still alive, but kind of on her way out. It's always so sad. It was a real bummer. Yeah. So that was in Southern Illinois and I'd kind of been um, heck bent to see one after that. You, <laughs> now I'm going to edit that out. Um, all right. I'm sorry. Cause that's heckin' bad. <clears throat> I'm just saying. Well, uh, so yeah, I, I saw my first, uh, timbers in, in Kansas to my shame. Uh, I still have yet to see a timber in my, my home state, but, um, yeah, I, I like, though I'm not a subspecies chaser and not much of a life lister, I've had the opportunity while hanging out with a number of people who have been hanging out around this uh, unlit campfire tonight. Um, I, I, I have had the opportunity to see a lot of really cool and rare snakes, uh, but timbers just kind of loom large in my head and any variation or, or neat um, um, localized variant of a species, whether it be morphological color or a weird ecological thing they do in an area that's always exciting uh, to observe. So I was very, very happy. That's my easily my favorite snakes uh, that we've seen on the trip. Very good. Now, I understand you also have a sketchy story for us. Uh, yeah, I'm going to need help because... Well, we my, all know that. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I'm going to need help with it just because, um, uh, well, it, it, we were all there and uh, my mind processed all of the events of this story uh, through the lens of fear and terror. So... Um, Did you say fear and terror? Yes. Uh, we're going to talk about elephants. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes back to elephants. Yeah. Folks. So we're going to talk about um, Asian elephants. So if, if anybody who was around for Asian elephants would like to help me with some of the details of the story, I, I'd really appreciate the hand up. Um, but we were in Thailand, um, myself and uh, Matt Cage, Tim Warfel, Brian Hughes, you, Mike, were there. Um, am I missing somebody? Um, Eric, Eric was over there. Yeah. And, and a bunch of other folks who aren't here tonight. Uh, but we had been, uh, heck bent on, uh, chasing King Cobras down. Uh, we failed in that, but we found a lot of really cool, uh, frogs, et cetera. Don't say bent. You're really putting me in a box here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, right, but anyway, ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, don't, don't sweat it. So yeah, I, we had basically been visiting the park, um, over the course of multiple days, trying to see as many things as we could. We had, we had some pretty good luck, um, checking things out, but we were continually marveling at the sign that we observed that came from Asian elephants. Um, you can say poop on the show. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're, let's start with that. So Dan Rosenberg, uh, was was marveling at a giant pile of elephant poop that had a bunch of marvelous mushrooms growing out of it um, and took multiple artistic photographs of it on the side of the road. And that was the, the beginning of our experience of elephant sign. We also... I understand those mushrooms are highly hallucinogenic. Do you want to comment on that? Uh, I did not partake. Okay. You'll have to follow up with Dan. Okay, I will. <laughs> uh, anyway, back back to your... 
your story. Thank you. Yeah, your horror so, story. Yeah, I don't know if it was that. I'm I'm just a weenie, but um, don't there, say weenie on this show. <laughs> Boy, it's I'm shrinking down to nothing over here. <laughs> Boy, isn't that? <laughs> <laughs> must so, restrain myself yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah other sign though you know we, we were walking um around looking in in wetland areas and ponds and so the soil soft there are a lot of cool tracks or leopard tracks things like that and we also got to see elephants had been stomping around in the area and in dense forest uh the other thing that you, you tended to note was there were these enormous breaks in the trees where uh whole troop of elephants had just decided to clear their way through and you know there was just that kind of knowledge that they're around but they weren't real for me yet you know i just seen them in zoos etc um and one night we we were headed out of the park um we, we were in to do some road cruising um hoping to to just get a couple of things that we hadn't seen before before we moved on to another region and uh we, we actually put eyes on our first elephant and we were, you know, the situation there was that we were in two party vans that were outfitted, I think for, I, I don't know what the theme they were going for was clubbing, maybe bachelor parties. Bar, bachelor parties, another good suggestion, just, you know, like a, almost like a little disco in a van. Um, and that, that set the tone for a lot of the conversation that we had, but, um, so we're in two of these kind of passenger vans that are outfitted with all this disco stuff, listening to music. And, and, uh, as we're on our way out of the park, we are barricaded in by a group of Asian elephants. Um, there was one angry Asian elephant. Well, yeah, they were upset. Um, because people really aren't supposed to be driving in the park after dark as, as yeah, we, we had eaten at a restaurant and, and, and overstayed when we should have been there. And so we had had to get, dispensation to drive out a particular way right and i have a suspicion that the elephants had kind of gotten used to this human phenology by this point that's when it's safe to move around on the roads is when the people aren't there and so we're there and um we didn't really know what we'd walked up on but the first thing we saw was a massive bull elephant that thankfully was not looking at us or at the road but creeping by um you know, our, our Thai guides that were there um, immediately were, were alarmed and they were cool as cucumbers the entire trip. And uh, um, yeah, Tan didn't like seeing the elephants in the road. We were delighted at first. I should point out that Tan is, uh, uh, she's married to uh, Tony Smith and Tan and Tony were our tour leaders and they're, they're great folks. And, and uh, uh, Tan's just a, a laugh, laugh riot unless you're stuck in a park with elephants. Yeah, they they handled the situation really really well. But we had um, we had some talkie walkies with us, um, and immediately Tan picked up her talkie walkie and uh, signaled to the other car. There's elephants, and and we gathered that because we knew the word Chong because of the beer yeah. we were drinking. Uh, had an elephant on it, and that's Chong. Uh, but she said that, and then a whole bunch of other Thai words that we didn't understand in an excited and kind of panicked voice. And, and meanwhile, outside we can hear, <laughs> yeah. 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 There was some of that. There was also a lot of, you can't, you can't make that noise without doing this with your hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he, yeah. Yeah, for the viewers, he's uh, gently extending his wrist up into the air in a trunk like fashion. Yeah, trunk like fashion, indeed. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so uh, there were angry elephants screaming in the jungle and it's dark and we can't see them. We know there's more than just the big bull that we saw. Um, I think the entire thing lasted about three hours. I don't, um, 
you know, again, I'm, I'm perceiving this through a, a fight or flight response. And, and, uh, instead it was more of just like a sit in the back of the car and poop my pants <laughs> situation. Um, but I mean, it was really cool to see them. We, we just, uh, adopted a, okay, they're not going to move. They're hanging out by the road. So we're just going to gently creep forward. And once we got past the bowl, there were some females out in the middle of the, um, the road past him and so now we have a bull elephant behind us and these agitated female elephants and then we see they have they have young hanging out around there and then we hear them behind us and we're just pinned in between two groups of elephants in the dark that we can't see and, and we should point out too <laughs> that they're angry and they're breaking off saplings and you hear these pops and cracks of these wrist thick saplings being broken off by these elephants i had some empathy for the cowardly lawyer in jurassic park you know, I used to always think like that guy. Yeah, he was what a what a chump. But no, no. that's that's fair. Yeah, there were enough <laughs> elephants they could have turned our party vans into microwave ovens. Well, you know what? What you noticed was uh, the guardrail next to where we had been stopped uh, earlier in the day had been intact in this area where the elephants were in our immediate vicinity. the The guardrail had been crushed down like a pop can. Um, just since we had been in the park. And so I just got to thinking about how easy it would be for one of them to just sort of lean down and, and give us a quick hug and just smush us down into jelly. Tusks through the window. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And why would they do that? I don't know, but they're elephants. And if they decided that's what they wanted to do, they could pretty well do it in that situation. And we couldn't have done anything about it. It's kind of scary when you're not the top vertebrate in a situation. Yeah, sure as heck wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> sure as heck fire yeah <laughs> um but nice yeah one. nice one clark i would just i would just say like a general uh seesaw maneuver is what we had to adopt where we were creeping forward and then the elephants in front of us didn't like how close we were getting we had to, to go back and then the elephants were behind us and we couldn't we didn't want to really put flashlights on them so much and the the headlight situation seemed to be bothering them people uh, we're really excited to see the elephants, and we're trying to take pictures, and then some of their flashes went off, and then... All I guy... think about was the movie King Kong, the original movie King Kong, where they take all those flash photographs of King Kong, and he, he loses it and, and breaks loose and terrorizes the city. That's a little outside my time, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure that sounds Whoa, similar. Absolutely, please do. So, this is Brian Hughes. So the only time I've ever wanted not quite so much Pingle was Mike was in the car the whole time going... Phew! making an elephant sound at these goddamn elephants. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I, I was trying to perfect. I'm going to get that down, you know. No, no, don't do that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think some people were dehydrated because even though we had people saying, like, calm down, please, like, just be quiet. We're trying to get through this. And people were pulling their cameras up and uh, a flash would go off. And like, stop. Stop taking flash photos of the elephants. Because every time they did that, they, well, it's true. I, that happened. It was an accident. I didn't mean to do that, but you should know your equipment, everyone, when you're out in the field. A accidental flashes Words can be deadly. to live by. Okay, and I'm going to add a little bit. That's Matt Cage. Put Matt. the microphone up to your face. Oh, okay. Um, I'll cover so your whole face with it. There you go. <laughs> Ouch. Um, okay, so the funny thing was is all of the locals were like extremely scared and petrified, and, and they didn't want to be there, and all of us who were there from America, we're all like, we're fine. If I get, if I get gored by an elephant, I'm fine with it. It's going to be really cool. And all of us were all smiling and they were sweating. And I think that was the funniest part is we were all loving it. 
and they were all genuinely scared. We had no expectations of death by elephant. No, it wasn't going to happen to us, and if it did, I'm fine with it. So. We, were, we, were, we were like the turtles in, in Finding Nemo, you know, that are... Like, yeah. whoa, not whoa. Really okay, well. <laughs> yeah. I was, no, when we, when we like gently, ever so gingerly crept past that bull elephant that was staring off at something in the jungle past us, his, his bottom where his poop comes out was easily several feet above the top of our car. I just want to say this is a scientist talking, and these are technical terms here. His well, bottom where the poop comes out. I, uh, the reason that I, I bring that up is Brian Hughes, who just chimed in had made that observation while we were there. He used a different term at the time. And translating while trying to recall these events is, is putting a strain on me, yes. <laughs> I, I can see that. But I, I appreciate you being very brave and, and telling us about your palpable fear yeah. of being crushed by Chong. Yeah, we were really sweaty and it took three hours. And at the end of the day, it was really cool to have seen them. We got out with no incident. The elephants decided we weren't worth crushing and had moved on. Um, we got out of there. Uh, we did decide to explain um, someone's motorcycle injuries by uh, elephant attack, but we don't encourage you to do that. It, it uh, makes people think poorly of elephants. And yeah, and we shouldn't think poorly of elephants. No, they're, they're lovely animals. They are. Thank you. So um, uh, who do I want to talk to next? I'm going to the other side of the yard. And I think I'm going to check in with our host. Uh, and uh, Armin, I, I want to have some words from you. Uh, what, before I get started, uh, I want to talk to you about a couple things. But the first thing I want to talk about is yesterday we were talking about some things, the sketchy stuff that happens in the field. And, you know, some of us have had uh, firearms pointed at us and threats made and uh, elephants trying to turn us over and squash us. There's all kinds of uh, threats in the field on rare occasions, I should say. It's not a daily thing, but things do happen. Uh, but you, you gave me a different perspective on that in, in terms of talking to maybe people that, are, that may seem a little sketchy uh, when you first come up on them, but maybe, maybe uh, you want to talk a little bit about your technique for just dealing with local people, you want to tramp around and trespass all over their property and find snakes. Well, I mean, if you want to go harping, you got to go to the places, right? Right. So uh, you never know what's going to happen, but you you go toward places that are, you know, obviously abandoned because that's where the action is, and uh, eventually you're going to run into somebody, that person that owns the property, and every time they're going to come up puffed up. Uh, red in the face, wondering what you're doing. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's intimidating, but, uh, what you do is, uh, you, you kind of tell, you tell them exactly what you're doing. You know, you don't tell a lie. You say, yeah, well, we're, we thought it was abandoned and it looks like a good place for snakes. Now this happens to, I'm going to stop. And I, I hate to interrupt, but this brings on a good point too, is that this often, this is like a, a rule for people who go out and, and herp, when they see an aban what they think is an abandoned building, a lot of times it's not. It there, there's sometimes people are living. Right. There. Yeah. They're, <laughs> sometimes they're the lights thing. are on <laughs> and you can't believe it, but they're there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, please, please continue. So uh I guess I can talk about it in examples of, of different situations. Uh, Kyle Elmore and I were, are always talking and we're always looking for the next place. And, uh, 
and and hoping it's a place that nobody's seen yet. So we we look at barrier islands, and sure enough, barrier islands get hurricanes, and they're covered with barrier island house tin. You know, <laughs> it's all over the place. So, uh, and we want to find the uh, lampros that live there, looking for speckled kings or milk snakes along the Gulf Coast. Right. So uh, we found this island. No road access. It needs to be uh, reached by boat. So I have a boat. So I hauled it. <laughs> we met and uh, figured out the marina to launch at and and uh, got in the channel. And uh, it's a 16-foot boat. And we had three guys, 16-foot flat boat, which is an aluminum boat with a 40-horsepower motor. Not a big boat and not really made for any kind of offshore boating. But, uh, but perfect for an amphibious landing. It, yeah, and, and, and we won't be held back, it, even by the rough seas. So anyway, I was with Kyle and, uh, and, and another guy, and, and, and we were all three in this boat. And it's a full, heavy boat with three people in it. And there's three and a half foot seas in this bay we're crossing. So I keep going slow. <laughs> and, and Kyle and the other guy have never been in this situation before. So I'm, I'm pretty nervous, and, and, and they don't even know they should be nervous. But we should have been nervous. They should have been nervous, rather. And then, <laughs> So we aimed for this island and got there anyway in slow motion. And uh, trying to find a place along the beach to uh, to land, it wasn't that great because there was too many breakers, and it would have swamped the boat. I was worried about it swamping the boat. So this particular island had a few camps on it, and uh, but mostly there's nobody living there because there's no access. It's just kind of weekend campers, and uh, we found a, a little inlet with a dock tied off to the dock, and we found some people and said, hey. Is it okay if we walk around and uh, look on this, you know, look around under the tin for snakes and so forth, and also dock on your dock, you know, tie to your dock? And uh, the lady said, sure, absolutely. So, like, yeah, we're golden. And uh, we go hiking around, and we're flipping tin, and we're finding, you know, finding the, the king snakes and the rattlesnakes, and, and everything's happening our way. And then a guy comes driving up in his his car because they boat some cars out to the island to use, and just on the island. And uh, he tells us, uh, y'all are going to have to go. You know, he's pretty aggressive, pumped up. And it's like, so we start walking back to the boat and come to find out that we're tied to his dock. <laughs> oh, so other people volunteered his dock. Yeah, other people volunteered his dock. And and it was like his sister-in-law or something. It's like, she has no power over me kind of situation. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and he wasn't going to have it, you know. Now you're in the middle of a family squabble. (laughs) Yeah, the the squabble was there. You know, we didn't know it yet, but it was there. (laughs) So we we, we took the long way back because there was more tin to to, to look at. Uh, As one does. uh, uh, Yeah. And... uh, so we meet the guy, uh, he, he's up on his, uh, all, all the houses are up on stilts because hurricanes would just, just, you know, obviously they destroy everything anyway, but they were on stilts to keep it from flooding. And, uh, he's up there and, and, and so we just, uh, brought up a conversation about snakes, what we were doing while we were there. And, uh, 
Eventually, he started talking about his own snake experiences. And sometimes those experiences are, they're, you know, I killed this snake here, blah, blah, blah. I killed that there. And so, yeah, we used to, and, and then it turns into something else. It'll turn into like a hunting, yet we used to go hunting back here and we used, used to see uh, lots of quail on the island and so forth. And, and, uh, and, and so you get in a little talk about hunting and so forth. So common ground. Common ground. And then uh, talk about going uh, uh, in other places, uh, foreign places and so forth. And he started talking about uh, his trips to Costa Rica. And, you know, I've never been to Costa Rica, but I've been to Mexico. And, and, and so we had some, it, it was getting interesting. He was interested in, in what we were doing then. And then he found out that we weren't there to steal anything. Sure. Other than photographs, I guess. So it, it, it was, it, it became real friendly. Yeah. And, and then eventually he started apologizing. <laughs> and then he gave us, uh, uh, you know, full use of the entire island because if it, it, he, he thought he was the owner of the island, but, uh, what he really was, it was he, his he sister? Leased, yeah, he leased a spot. Oh. And if you lease a spot on the island, you have access to the entire island. So. We met other people, you know, and said, uh, you know, Mr. Golkey said we could look here when they asked us, why are we here? And he said, oh, yeah, Mr. Golkey. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the guy who thinks he owns the island. The guy he thinks he owns. Exactly. <laughs> it was, it was a, that exact situation. Well, but, this uh, is interesting because there's a, you know, I mean, the, the moral or what I t- the big takeaway for me is, is just don't be afraid to talk to people. You're always going to find some common ground. Exactly, with, right? but it, it even gets better because this was last year, and and we were just testing the island. We want to see if it was worthwhile coming back to, and it was. So, uh, last month we decided to return. Uh, I didn't have my boat this time, and I really didn't want to take it out in those seas again. But uh, so we 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 took a charter boat uh, to the island, and uh, Mr. Golkey wasn't there. And I didn't have uh, his phone number. We didn't have his phone. Right. We didn't have any way of communicating with him. But in talking to him, we knew he liked to go there on the weekends and drink a little bit. As, As one does. Yeah. Why well, own a camp, you know, other than yeah. a few drinks, you know. But uh, so we stopped at the uh, liquor store and got a nice bottle of whiskey. And uh, but he, he we tied up to his same dock and. Uh, we left a bottle of whiskey at his house with a note and our phone number so he can contact us. And uh, he, he saw us do it on his, his uh, security camera. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we went all over the island. Nobody, nobody talked to us then because it was a, it was a weekday and uh, there was a lot less people. So uh, a few days later, he called Kyle and he, he was just so happy to hear from us again, completely thrilled. He, he starts, he tells him that he put an addition on the camp with an extra bed and, and, uh, said, come back, y'all stay, uh, stay overnight, you know, shower, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he gave us the, the gold key to the Island <laughs> gold key, but, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and, I, and, I, there's I think other, and there's other situations. The, the same situations happen all the time, and they're a lot more than 
it, they always start with maybe a somewhat aggressive guy, but they always end in a uh, almost a friendship and and an invite back to right. their property. Right, right. I mean, there's a lot to be said for what your your technique there, and it's just being honest. You're just being honest, and you're just talking to people. And you know, I I think a lot of people just like to have conversations with people, and uh, they enjoy. They just enjoy that, right? It, it's, it's yeah. It's well, not unnatural. Everybody wants to talk about their experiences, sure, and and so that it, it opens up uh, opens up everything, even free access to their property. So. Excellent, excellent. So I'm glad you retold this because um, I, I just loved your perspective on this because it's everybody's got these. You know, we've all had some really sketchy things happen. I, I've still <laughs> had the one where you know we better go now. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. run and, you know, tails tucked. Duck it down and crouch over when you run away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you can, you know, I like the reasonable approach, right? Yeah. And it works. Yeah. Well, very good. Thank you so much for that story. And now I'm going to go back across the campground. It's starting to get dark here and the frogs are starting to call in the little pond. And I understand that uh, our buddy Brian has a cautionary tale that involves water. I thought I thought of a better one while... While I was waiting. Okay. So there's no water involved here. But you were there. It's, uh, it's a, a story about a, an animal we call the Beast of Bong. <laughs> so we were in uh, in the, the Bong Bong Station. or something. Chuck Bong. Chuck Bong in, in Vietnam. In and the Cuc uh, Phong mm-hmm. uh, National Park. Yeah. And it was awesome. We, well, we eventually realized it was awesome. When we first got there and found our place we're staying is a... Uh, just like, you know, when you're in the woods and you just find a, an old house, much like Armin was just talking about, it was, it was, it was that. So we go there and there's, uh, there's just, there's more wildlife in the room than outside. There's just a giant hole in the ceiling. It's a wild, it's a wild place. And we were like, well, let's, here's, here we are. So this is, ba- what this is, uh, is a tourist re- resort. It's a little place where people can come and swim and it's basically abandoned or, uh, there's been no uh, development there, or it's not been up upkept. It's just sort of deteriorating back into the jungle. Yeah, there's a swimming pool shaped pond. It's kind yeah. of like there's things like that that are they're happening. So it's a it's a pretty crazy place. So we get our mosquito nets mostly taped up, and we're all settled in and stuff. And then on, on the first night that we're there, and in, in in Vietnam, there's not a lot a lot of large mammals anymore. You know, a lot of stuff got got eaten or whatever. So I'm sleeping. And uh, I hear on the, the bed next to me, I hear shuffling, right? I hear a whole bunch of, uh, you know, it's like in, in, in my stuff, in the snacks. Hang on a second. Okay. It's okay to make, it's okay to make noise. So if you've got to break stuff or, oh, well, Pat was walking, doing this kind of a creepy thing, like creeping around, like <laughs> trying to be quiet, <laughs> trying to be quiet. Yeah, but it's okay. It's, it's fine. <laughs> well, it is now. <laughs> Remind me to insert Niagara Falls sound clip. All right, okay, Brian. Uh, back to Ch- uh, Chuck Bong and the deteriorating uh, encampment. So uh, we're sleeping. It's the middle of the night, and I hear a bunch. There's you know, scuffling in there. You hear you know, there's spiders like as big as rats. Is you know, they, there's a percussiveness to the spiders crawling across the walls. It's it, it was a, if you're scared of spiders, it's a good place to go to cure yourself of it because it's just total immersion, you know. If, you, if you're scared of having a spider on your person, that's a good place to just get over that whole thing. But uh, so I'm sleeping and I hear 
like something big in my room. Like, I don't know what that is. So I look over and, and it, there's a mosquito net there. So I, I just see a dark shape, like going through my cliff bars and like tearing through my stuff. And you said, Andrew, stop that. I said, well, uh, gosh, darn it. <laughs> what, what in the heck is that? And, You're uh, sure as heck the, fire did. And, yeah. And the, and the, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, and I, so I turn on my flashlight, but it's in a mosquito net. So all I see is it reflects. So all I see is this white mosquito net and then, and it disappears through a big hole in the ceiling. I'm like, oh man. So no. it's not Andrew. It wasn't Andrew. Not that time. It was, so, um, so that was, you know, I told the guys about, we can't figure out what it is. And then like the next night, uh, Tim is visited by the beast of bong. And I, you know, Tim could, is he, he's so, around. Yeah, separate building. Tim, do you want to talk about it or do you want me to? Talk about your experience being visited by. So is this sort of like you will be visited by three <laughs> beasts? Yeah, be yeah, very just, Dickensian. Just very, just very quickly, I um, I was in my uh, little, um, I don't know what you call it, cottage or whatever it was, a rundown place. And um, I heard something large in the bathroom making, bumping around and scratching. And I started yelling at it. I said, get, get the heck out of here. Go, go, go. And uh, after a few seconds, I heard the skittering, and then it disappeared again. And uh, I think many of us were visited by that uh, little apparition throughout the week. And towards the end of the week, uh, it made another appearance. Yeah, so we just kind of got used to it. You know, we know it wasn't harming us. It, like, we'd be sleeping, and near the end of the week, we're kind of, you know, hear something like, you know, something like a dog running around in the ceiling. Ah, it's just the beast. <laughs> it's fine. We're okay. He, it's he just the wants, beast of bong. We're okay. Yeah, he just wants your snacks. He's all right. So then on the, so on the, and this is the Godzilla story arc, exactly, is we, on the last night that we were there, we're, we're all sleeping. At this point, we're all, we've all turned into wild animals. You know, when we get there, we're still pretty fresh. By the end, we're all like standing in the sun in our underwear and Chinese tourists that were visiting Vietnam are pulling up and taking pictures of us on the patio. And we're like, <laughs> you know, we were in bad shape. It was, it was Lord of the Flies. It was, it was, it was yeah. bad. Um, so we're, we're all just crashed out in, in there. And then this bus pulls up with uh, just a gaggle of dudes showed up to like just party there. And they just they swarm the place and they just start going through all of our cables and Max standing out in the hallway in his underwear yelling at him and it's like it's a whole scene. And uh so they they we eventually get like our charger cables back from them. They they go and settle in like all of them, like twelve guys pack into this room next to mine. And it finally quiets down. And then I hear in the ceiling, and then they like in there and they're just wild uh Vietnamese uh Screams and yells. <laughs> they were visited by the beast. They were visited of bong. by the beast. And in the end, the beast of Bong became our friend because in the morning they packed up their speakers and they left. <laughs> so it was, a, it was, a, it was a, it's a good tale for me. <laughs> well, once again, it's one of those, it's one of those uh, tales with a, a moral. You know, if you, you, if you be nice to the creature, the creature will be nice to you. Right? Yeah, bring cliff guard. Cliff bars, any place that that there could be oh, okay. large mammals that invade your room. That's and then they'll befriend you, and then they'll chase away bad people. <laughs> <laughs> this is the new mythology, folks. That's it. <laughs> I learned a lot that day. Andrew, you look like you're bursting with something to tell us. Did we ever determine the species to which the beast of Bong belongs, or is it some no. fey creature from another realm? It was. We don't know. It was like the size of a. Like, I don't know if they were even in that part of Vietnam. Uh, 
binturong might be. Ah, a binturong be the, is a likely That would match candidate. the description and size, yeah, but I don't know. Initially, we speculated that it might be a sun bear, but it seemed like it was too nimble. Yeah. No, you couldn't get jump. a sun bear up yeah. in a false ceiling. Yeah, no, I, I still am unsure, but I, I think that. I think binturong is probably, yeah, I think that matches the, the size the, and, and Yeah, and that behavior. was our best candidate. Yeah. All right. Well, that was, that was a. Alex, uh, Alex has an idea. You know what it is? It was a civet. A uh, right. civet. Okay. So, all right, okay, Alex. All right. So, Alex, Alex was there with us. Tell us why. It, it was probably a civet. Like, binturongs are, are pretty rare. They're hard to find. They're actually pretty slow moving. Oh, okay. And so, Good. I bet it was a civet, like, probably a Malay palm civet that, like, lived in the roof. But we never saw it for, like, a good... A good while to get a good look at it, but that would be my guess. That's so good. none of that. none of you brave men stuck your head up in the ceiling to see what the hell it was. No, I was in my own little tambo, and so I did not have a beast of bong in there. <laughs> I oh, I see. Not anybody. not in my backyard. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> Very well, that's, good. That's a better explanation. I'll so that. Yeah. we will have to go back and find out what that was. We have to go back. The only addendum I had to this whole Vietnam thing was um, I'll go ahead and hold that for me. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Uh, we ran into some tourists, and the tourists all had kids, and the kids were all uh, hip and cool, and they had phones, and they wanted to take selfies. And uh, I'm running around with a headband around my uh, my handkerchief tied around my head because you know it's like 150 degrees and it's 100 percent humidity and uh-huh. sweating. And all the kids would run up and they want selfies with me, and then they would rub my belly, <laughs> <laughs> and then they would run away. And I was like, "What is going on here?" And that we were up there with our friend. And Alex, what's our friend's name that that went up there with us? Nyun. Nyut. 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 Okay, close enough. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he gets pingletoe wrong, too. Um, but, but anyway, so uh, he explains to me, he's like... Uh, they don't see many fat men, and they, they think you're like a big Buddha, and they want to rub your tummy for good luck. <laughs> like After that, I was okay with it. I just I wasn't quite sure what was happening there. And it happened more than once. So, but I, And I, I got a picture of me with a couple of the kids, you know, and they were like eight or nine, and we're hanging out and taking selfies of each, with each other and stuff. And I, I had one posted, and, you know, it was next year's Father's Day, one of my daughters posted that picture Online, she's like, happy birthday to my dad. Here's a picture of him back in Nam. <laughs> <laughs> back in November. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not specifying any year, but I'm there and I've got a headband and I'm sweating and I look like Buddha and, you know, but it was kind of funny. So anyway. That was fun. All right. Well, thank you for that great story. Uh, and I'm glad you reminded me of that because it's one of my, one of my favorite things, that, a beast I never even actually saw either. So Yeah, I never, I never saw it. Just the, the, the shape one time. Yeah. So Clint, how are things going? They're going excellent here. Uh, is your first visit to to Herp in this area? Yes, first trip to Louisiana. Period. Okay. And you enjoying yourself? Absolutely. What's your favorite find? Probably that timber today. Timber today? Yeah, or cane break. Cane break. Say, yep. I don't know what they they call them cane breaks here. I guess so. Yeah, and and just the amount of lifers I got on this trip too. I mean, I okay. think I'm up to about. 18 lifers already. Oh, nice. Very good. Very yes. good. So I actually have a little sketchy story. All right. We have a new sketchy story. Yeah, it'll be a quick one. Uh, it's kind of the flip side of Armin's experience with talking to landowners. Uh, most of the time, like he said, it is pretty peaceful after a while. Uh, however, sometimes it's not. One time I was in uh, Albuquerque, rural Albuquerque, I might add, and I was... Uh, 
at a conference of all things. So I had a lot of out of towners there too. And we found some good looking flip sites and we went in there and we, um, found this large aggressive, sorry, defensive, not aggressive, uh, prairie rattlesnake. Okay. And so, uh, while we're photographing, uh, some landowners came behind us and, uh, said, what are you doing on my property? And, uh, we said, oh, I'm sorry. We thought it was abandoned, which it definitely looked like it was. Uh And, uh, so we were just photographing this snake and, uh, anyways, they told us we had five minutes to get off the property. And then after we were going to go, they're going to kill that snake. Uh So we had five minutes and I looked at my clock and I, we didn't have any bags or anything with us to take this, this snake with us. We asked if we could take the snake so he didn't kill it. And, uh, so we basically had to stuff this thing in my camera backpack in five minutes and it was about 95 degrees outside. So you can imagine an angry prey rattlesnake. Anyways, uh, at the four minute, 30 minute, 30 second mark, we got it in and we hightailed it out of there cause they were, they said they were going to go get something from their house, which you know what that means. Yeah. A pistol or. Yeah. Probably 12, 12 gauge. Yeah. That's what we guessed. Anyways, luckily we got it out of there and we relocated it. So sometimes it doesn't go. We even tried to small talk them. It didn't work. But like Armin said, it usually most of the time it does, does work if you just uh, rationalize with them. Well, kudos to you guys for, you know, not abandoning the snake in its, uh, in its moment of need, right? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We, we would never do that. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. That's, that's a great story. So Thanks. I'm glad you're having a good time. Too. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. So do I have anyone else who wants to, we're going to wrap this up here in a little bit, but do I have anyone else who wants to share a sketchy story? And Jason, take a deep breath. Hold the microphone six inches away from your face and tell us. I got a little funny, sketchy story. Um, Right there. I got a funny little sketchy story. It's kind of funny. Um, I'm not as articulate as Andrew. Nobody is. <laughs> um, Sean and Brandon and I decided to take a spring trip to Colorado two years ago, do some spring flipping in in the prairie out in Denver area. We met up with Kate, my, uh, Matt Cage and Kevin and Ryan, and we just went out and hit some board lines, and we found... Plenty of amazing herps, um, milk snakes, hognose, prairie rattlers, racers, all kinds of stuff. We were having a great day. Um, we continued on to another spot, and um, as we were doing some flipping, um, an, a badger made an appearance, made a visit, and <laughs> and um, I'd never seen a person catch a badger before. <laughs> to me, that is sketchy. Has anyone here seen anyone catch a badger? Raise your hand. Okay, I'm going to pretend there's no hands. Oh, you were there. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. But yes, Ryan grabbed the thing by the by the neck and by the scruff. You mean by the scruff? He did. Okay. No harm was done to the thing. It was it was fine. So don't. It's like a mother picking up a baby. Okay. <laughs> um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't. You do come from a different part of the country for me, so maybe you guys do things differently there. But anyway, Jason, we want we want to hear about this yeah, badgering. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was a little scared, um, but Ryan was not. He had the thing by the scruff of the neck, and 
he was struggling a little bit to get it under control, which um, was understandable. But finally, his dad came to his senses and told him to leave that dang thing alone. <laughs> <laughs> But that's Did, my, that's my short story. <laughs> Did Ryan understand that not only badgers just don't have these big gnarly face full of teeth, but they've got these ginormous claws that yeah. that uh, uh, it was funny you know. because his dad's like, "All right, that's enough." So to add to that a little bit, you know, he he picked it up, but when the badger he didn't he didn't like it he didn't like it at all. Um, he was doing what badgers do. <laughs> yeah. And when when the badger was trying to bite him, and uh, when that badger would snap its jaws, it was a very audible snap click every single time. And if it had got a hold of him, he he wouldn't have all of his fingers. I mean, it, it they would have been gone pretty quickly. I mean, yeah, it was it was sketchy. So as far as sketchy stories go. It's right up there. Yeah, you just had to be there. Never thought crossed my mind. So when we were we were driving through and and they stopped and and Ryan jumped out and he started hauling across the field and I'm like, "What? I wonder what he's seen." And Kevin gets out and says, "Oh, he saw a badger. He always wanted to catch one." So um Raise your hand if you always wanted to catch a badger. Yeah, no. It never <laughs> crossed it never crossed my mind. I I'd, I'd sit in the car and go, "Oh, look, cool." badger and then i would move on but not ryan ryan was very enthusiastic about getting his hands on this badger and he did it props to ryan so he was badgering the badger basically giving it right back to him well thank you (laughs) say that again afterwards ryan he said that his next victim would be an opossum so victim victim all right brandon sean Jason, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Somebody said my name. Oh, uh, you got one, Adam? All right, here we go. Adam, step on up here. So my story is not necessarily about something sketchy that I did or that happened to me. Um, Somebody going to get me a beer? The wet kind. <laughs> I want a wet, no, 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 I want a, whatever. Somebody get me a beer, please. All right, somebody's got me. Okay, go ahead. It's thirsty work. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. But I need to wrap this up because we, we, we have things to do, but uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah, we so, want to get Adam's story. So so we're in, so we're in central Alabama. My, my friend Chris and I, uh, we're doing some um, low-key herping kind of dusk in a, in a public park walking around and just flipping logs and it's going pretty slowly and and probably nothing characterizes that better than the fact that we're taking time to photograph a slimy salamander which is a a fairly common finding but it's a big one and so we're taking some photos of it we're appreciating this this animal uh appreciating the fact that it's one of the only things we found that evening when one of the locals comes up behind us and uh and shares the fact you know he's what are you guys doing and uh, we, we show him what we've got there, and he looks at it, and he studies it with, with some, some intention, and he says, they're a little chewy, but they don't taste too bad, and uh, begins to share that you know the sketchy decisions that he's made in his life that have led him to know what a slimy salamander tastes like. He has uh, apparently 
gives us a recipe for, you know, you take your empty coffee can, you boil the things in water, and, uh, you know, as long as you don't mind, you know, some, some texture issues. <laughs> you know, if you ever touch the slimy salamander, you know kind of the film it leaves on your hands and that everything sticks to it, and it's, you know, one of the most problematic things to get off of your hands that there is in nature. And and eating this thing is... <laughs> It's just it is it, anathema to me and Chris, but, but and it's still a story that we share from day to day. We find a slimy salamander essentially every time. What do you we're say like, to somebody it, when they say? Then they say this. What, what 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 can you possibly say to them? I think all you can really say to, to those people is uh huh. <laughs> there, there's really nothing nothing there, but but uh, so again, it, it's sketchy. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, uh, but, but but from a culinary perspective, yes, as Tim says, yeah. slimy and satisfying. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> it really uh, sticks to the ribs. I'm sure. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. Well, <laughs> I don't know what to say, but I'm gonna have to think about that one. But that's <laughs> I did not expect to hear that one. That's <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> we're gonna move on here to our friend John, who's gonna tell us. Uh, so I've got two stories. I, I tend to be long-winded, but I'll make both of these really short. And both of them involve similarities. They involve me looking for rattlesnakes in Wisconsin. They involve me not finding those rattlesnakes I'm looking for in Wisconsin. And they involve me getting hurt. So there's one of them I'm going, and I, I'm hiking all day through this wet prairie trying to find Massasaugas. And the trail had already been overflowing from the river from heavy rains up north. And on the way back, they, they were up like six inches and half the trail was blown out like six foot deep, just wash out flowing into the, the prairie. So we have to like, we're trying to walk across and not get washed out. We're holding our cameras above our heads and everything. Get back to the car, just defeated, you know, spend four hours out there. No Massasagas, a buddy there that's with me. He walks over by to the edge of the parking lot to go to the bathroom and he goes, Hey dude, there's a garter snake over here. I'm like, I need to see a snake. So I go running over there and he points where it is. I see it and I chase it and I stop because I lost it in the leaves and I just get lit up with yellow jackets. And I, I, and I just took off my pants cause they were wet. So I'm wearing shorts now and they just attacked my calves. Luckily the river was right there and I just ran as fast as I could into the river and my buddy filmed it. And I still have, I, he's not shown me that footage, but he has a video of me running into the water and just up to my waist to get rid of the, the yellow jackets. Never take off your pants in the woods, folks. <laughs> true, true story. So the other one is um, for my graduate research project, I was working on timber rattlesnake dens. And this was in the early stages where I'm trying to find sites that are appropriate. And my graduate advisor is out with me. And this is the steepest, sketchiest timber den in Wisconsin. And it's mostly big boulders. And we get there and we just kind of both look at it and we're like, well, it's supposed to be up there. Let's, let's try to attack it. And we go up there and we make it halfway to the den and we're basically rock hopping, trying to be billy goats. And though those who don't know me, I'm six foot three, a little bit heavy in the belly. Um, not exactly the most nimble fella for a situation like that. My graduate advisor is about five foot six, 135 pounds. And even though he's like 63, he's bionic because he has a double hip replacement and he's in fantastic shape. So we get up there and I just look, turn around and look at him. And he goes, I can, can we go any further? And I said, I, I don't think so. We should probably go back down. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll go to the next site, you know? So he starts going down and he's, he's already at the bottom of the hill and I still haven't figured out how to get down the rock that I just climbed up. And I turn 
and I lose my footing and I have my, my, my cell phone is in my back pocket because I have my camera in my front pocket and I slide down about 15 feet on my butt somehow don't fall off and you know lose my footing and tumble i land on my feet and i rip a giant hole in the back of my pants i crack the screen on my phone and my advisor's just standing there looking at me he's like, are you okay I said I, I i think so we're good so we, we both hike to the bottom of the the bluff walk all the way back to the car not saying a word we take off our backpacks and our waters and put them in our car and he just looks at me and says i think that you are physically incompatible with this site <laughs> <laughs> you're really hard on pants too yeah yes yeah so needless to say i didn't use that as a study site very good thank you so much do i have any other stories before i close this out yeah, the pat i'm saving you for last connor had one oh wait by the, by the way um we're all here because it's your birthday mac so happy birthday buddy well thank you <laughs> You have like the best timing for birthdays because we can go some crazy place and celebrate. I know, so. springtime birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Early season birthday. Yeah. yeah Find so. some of the good stuff on my birthday. Yeah, yeah. And I always get to see you every year. I, I Probably every year for the number of years I've been able to see you on your birthday. So Yeah, or at great. least real close. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's great. Have a story for us or shall I go to Connor? Oh, I got a story. All right. So You're on deck, Connor. I want to say this was four or five years ago. Made a trip down to Florida and uh, I was with my good friend Sean and Tim. And we were having the time of our lives. We were flying around the entire state, found rainbows up in Georgia. Rainbow snakes. Rainbow snakes. Uh, it was just an incredible you a journey. life, my friend. <laughs> and, uh, well, we had found a bunch of beautiful scarlet snakes. And one night we were out road cruising this road that I cannot remember the name of the road because it was getting kind of classified. Yep, exactly. And it was a fairly flat road at that. <laughs> and we, uh, I think I was in the back seat. Tim was up front. Sean was driving. And you hear three men scream because we're road cruising probably a little too fast on that road anyway. Tricolor. Me and Tim get out of the car and we race because he straddles this snake, goes past it by about, I don't know, 30 feet or so. With the car. With the car. And Tim and I are out of the car, lickety split. We're back there on the snake. I'm leaving it alone. Tim's trying to take a picture of it. And I'm thinking this is the most beautiful Scarlet King I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was better than any of the ones we had found on the trip. It was bigger. The bands were perfect, and here comes Sean rumbling up there, and he picks up this snake and goes, oh, my, and at that exact moment, I got blasted off to the road to the right. Tim got blasted off to the left, and in a heated moment in my mind, I went from ex very happy to Rolling on the turf, getting up, thinking I am going to kick somebody's teeth down their throat because who the heck just pushed me off the road? And when I stood up and looked, all I saw was our car rolling backwards and my really good friend, Sean, underneath the car, getting drugged down the road. And uh, Tim was Johnny on the spot, 
hopped into the car as Sean's yelling, get this car off me. <laughs> Tim gets the car stopped, pulls it forward, and we knew at that exact moment we had, we, you know, we collected ourselves. Sean was doing okay. Okay. He had a lot of road rash and a hole in his knee that you could probably fit two big pins into. And I was like, we got to go to the hospital. I mean, there was no question. And I still remember I hopped in the driver's seat immediately. We looked for the snake for a second, but it was gone. I figured I from impact, I would imagine that thing got blown as far off the road as I did. So, uh, we ended up heading to the hospital and I remember it was kind of a slow night road cruise and we'd only seen a couple snakes all night. And what did we have about a 20 minute drive to the hospital? And, uh, it started to sprinkle a little bit, just the, everything you could ask for that night other than we were on our way to the hospital. And I remember I'm driving down the road and all I could see literally every 50, 60 feet on the main highway is snake after snake after snake. <laughs> and from the back seat, I hear Sean say, Mac, are those snakes? And I was like, yes. And he yells at me, well, you better flip and stop, man. <laughs> and I'm like, he wasn't kidding. But uh, we ended up going to the hospital and he got taken care of. And I still remember Tim and I made a deal that we were going to we were going to leave him in the hotel room and go herping the next day. And we were trying to sneak out of the room and Sean heard us. And he said, what are you guys doing? <laughs> he would not let us leave that room. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what I did to prove to you I was still good to go out? Do oh, you yeah. remember? Because Tim's like, you were not. You were resting. You were staying. You were staying here. You're taking one off. And I said, no, I'm not. And I said... I will get up and do 10 jumping jacks to prove to you that I can go out. And he's like, there's no way. And Max like, I don't see it happening, dude. You need a rest. And I'm like, bull crap. I jumped up, did 10 jumping jacks. Tim goes, incredible. Let's go. And I, we did. We went out. We herped our butts off the rest of that trip. And it was awesome. Yeah, awesome. So, very good. Other than... Yeah, my back burned, my leg hurt. I just remember Didn't you were care. bruised and battered. Didn't care. Like I was the there worst to have I'd fun. seen for a long time. <laughs> I was there to have fun, and I did. It didn't ruin our trip. There's no keeping Sean from herping. That's a great story. <laughs> and, Mac, thanks for that. I appreciate your perspective. Oh, you that. bet. That was great. So, happy birthday, my friend. Okay, Mr. Connor, what have you got for us? All right, so, I mean, my story, you know, my herping has been limited to the uh, Gulf Coast, so I don't have any wild, uh, out-of-country experiences, but one of the one of the times that freaked me out the most, at least, was uh, I had gone out herping alone, looking for cane breaks uh, at a spot where abandoned vehicles are not uncommon, in fact, quite common, Uh we actually went to the same spot um, the other day as a group. Uh, huh? I decided not to share this story before we went, though. Uh, <laughs> so, so I see this truck that had not previously been there parked way far back in the grass, uh, 
I assumed it was abandoned. Didn't worry about it at all. Uh, found a cane break. Good time. Left. About two weeks later, I go back, and truck is still there. I decide, oh, I'm going to go look in it. You know, clearly this is abandoned. Um, let's see if anything good is in the bed. Uh, so I, I walk around the front. Now it's a cool day. Um, and as I'm, I look in the passenger window, I think there's a lot of stuff in this truck. Um, you know, whoever stole this truck and left it here, they sure didn't bother taking anything from it. Uh, so I, I go to the driver's side and as I'm passing, there was like a fleeting thought of, it feels kind of warm on the front end of this truck. So I get to the bed, but before I could make anything of that last thought, I popped the ice chest that's in the back to see some ice cold Bud Light. Uh, part of me is thinking I should take this. And part of me thinking is <laughs> why is the ice so fresh? <laughs> and so right as I'm putting two and two together that this ice was put in this ice chest today, uh, two gunshots go off extremely close to me. And I realize someone is in the, in the grass somewhere, probably within 20 yards of me, uh, hunting and I'm rooting through his truck. Uh, so <laughs> this I, is I, not a good look for you. Bro. No, no. Uh, I, I've very much thought that that truck was abandoned, but turns out me and this guy just, uh, happened to go there on the exact same time twice in two weeks. Uh, I hightailed it out of there when I heard that, heard a couple more gunshots. I guess he was hunting, but, uh, I feel he would have been shooting at something else if he would have seen me rooting through his stuff. <laughs> gunshots are great motivators. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was running pretty fast. But I hear a stolen beer tastes really, but really good. It's much better. I, I wish stolen. I, I wish I would have found out. <laughs> right. Well, thanks for your story, and I'm glad uh, you're. No I'm glad you're with us, and not in prison or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of prison, <laughs> okay. I'm walking over here to Pat Kane, and Pat Kane is going to tell us something. I'm not sure what. Um, hopefully he's going to tell us this story about the incident at the prison, but maybe he's got something oh, else yeah, before yeah. So, that. Is there something before that, or is that, is that what you want to tell us? We can do that. Okay. Um, so I know we're not divulging Armin's camp location, but this is kind of kind of give it away a little bit. So the story is Armin and I out, and his camp is somewhere in the vicinity of Angola Prison. And so we're out one day, and... He hits me, and he points. He says, man, look at that dwarf going down the prison wall. And I'm like, uh, Armin, that's a little condescending. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. I think that's a good place to end this. No, but I do have a... Oh, you do? Okay. I do have a story. All right. A sketchy story. Okay. <laughs> a real story. So. Okay. Okay. We have to wrap this up soon because I realized just a little while ago I raised my beer up and talked into my beer bottle instead of the microphone. <laughs> we can do it later. So I think it's time to, for the show to start winding down. But go ahead. So, so we're, off in, uh, we're off in Mexico. And uh, we've been road cruising this area for, I don't know, a couple of days. And it's me and Armin... And Tim, it might have been a fourth person, I can't remember, but it was, it was us three. And so we had this hot little, hot little road. We were going up and down, finding snakes. Apparently, we got reported 
to the the local narcos, maybe. <clears throat> so we're we're making a pass, and we're coming back, and we see the cars blocking the road. We see the cars blocking the road, and uh, we just kind of assume it's it's our guys, you know, because we're we're all there. There's a, there's a big group of us, and um, right as we're getting right up to them, within fifty yards of them, somebody yells, "Snake!" You know, so of course we slam on our brakes and we all jump out of the car. <laughs> and we, you know, we bail out and we run in front of the car and we jump off the road and we digging around and we come up with the snake. Well, it turns out uh, there was actually a roadblock in front of us and it's Narcos in Mexico. And uh, <laughs> so we come out and there's like five of them. They come out and they all got guns. And they're, you know, they're gibbering at us in, in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish, so I have no idea what they're saying, but they got guns. And we're like, this is not our people. This is not good. Um, and, and Tim's, Tim's saying, uh, he's, he's like, uh, uh, soy biologica. Quiero some pet days or something like that. I, I don't know exactly what he was saying. <laughs> But the guy's kind of, yeah, and we got a snake in our hand and, and, and Tim's like, we'll let it go. We'll let it go. And he just like, lets it go off the road. And they all kind of look at, look at us and look at each other and, and obviously realize that, you know, we're not, we're not the competition. Um, so that, you know, talking. <laughs> you guys to are like the gang that couldn't <laughs> shoot straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were really bad gang. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so just talking to them, right, they even they though laughed at us they, they laughed, right? It's like, oh, yeah, th these guys are not out trying to do drug deals or anything. Um, and they're like, all right, good. Get the flock ha out of here. Have a good. No, they, yeah. they didn't even say that. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, thumbs up. Oh, they all okay. smiled and uh, said, you know, waved at us and they left. But we were all like, um, situation you get when you're yeah, yep, yep, just, just exactly, just yeah. like, just like you can get Everybody's here, cool. and we yeah. didn't even speak the same language, and it was pretty sketchy. Um, and then we decided to leave anyway, even though we thought it was probably over. And then, uh, of course, we we stopped our other people that we did see. It's like um, maybe we should leave. Let's let's go somewhere else because yeah. uh, we're getting reported to the local. Cartel, maybe, or the, the narcos, whatever. That was kind of sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it was on. it was sketchy at the time when we realized, okay, this is this is not a police blockade. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and we're unarmed, and they are, and but you could throw, you know, have a snake, and so you you have you know. no, but we had a snake, and it's like it's not drugs. We're not. We're not comp we're not competing with y'all, and okay. and they get that. So and they and they smiled about it and let us go on our way. And so it's it turned it turned into a good funny story, but it was sketchy at that you know in in a moment. It's good to to, to make it clear that you're harmless. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know about harmless, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> we had to look, but we didn't feel harmless. <laughs> we got to keep the wrap up. Come on, man. Oh, brother. Well, thank, thank you for the story, and uh, thank you for the prison break story, too. I appreciate that. And, uh, Brennan, I haven't really talked to you this today. Just uh, say hi to the folks, and you're one of the, the local herpers here in the area, and uh, 
you got your son here and you guys are having a pretty good time hanging out with us. So just, just say hello to the folks. Hey, how's it going? Um, yeah, we're having a good time out here. Uh, super excited to get, finally get some scarlet snakes at Armin's place today. So other than that, I've, I've been really enjoying, uh, the good food and hanging out with a bunch of new people. Thank you. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's been really enjoyable. Thanks for closing the circle on that. I appreciate that. Okay. Now the all, I'm going to close this off now, but I do want to say thanks again to our new friend, Greg, for cooking up some fantastic uh, jambalaya. And uh, you also are sort of maybe not uh, becoming, maybe not going over to the dark side like the rest of this motley crew, uh, but maybe you appreciate snakes a little bit and you're interested in them. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a, been friends with Armin for since we were teenagers, and he's always done this catching the snakes. And uh, I don't know, I'm kind of kind of interested in wanting to have some more fun times with Armin. You know, it's a good time. Over, I got over this trip. Yep. So, which uh, and I've held two snakes this week. Caught one. Awesome. At my house, it showed up, and so uh, it was a little bitty tiny one. But hey, me and my son are are into it, and. Very good. I have a feeling it's going to be a new chapter for us. Yeah. Well, very good. Thank, thank you, you so much. Right. Thanks for the great food, and thanks for talking to us. Thank you. Well, thanks, everyone. I have talked to everyone around the circle, have I not? I didn't leave anyone out. Everybody got a chance to say, tell a sketchy story or tell us something. So thanks for coming, everyone, and uh, uh, I don't know what else to say. What else do you have? Anybody else? Anything else to say besides? Well, you can talk about the... the uh... This group going from so many places, one to the other, and we held together almost uh, pretty well. Uh, I thought it was going to be, you know, and we talked about it over and over again. Let's get the cats herded in, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, it worked. And uh, awesome. Yeah. Excellent. The the group was, was uh, primo. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's, great. It's, a great, it's a great group of people from various, various parts of the... Uh-oh, Matt Cage has something to say, everyone. I would like to hear a Mike Pingleton sketchy story. Uh-oh. Ooh. Hey. Ooh. <clears throat> call him out, call him out. Well, I've already told the sketchy story about Senior Cranky Pants, who we left in the jungle to die. <clears throat> Most of us lived. Um, so, um, oh, very good. I, I think, um, uh, the sketchy story, and again, I, I favor Armin's method uh, of conciliatory conversation and, and brotherhood and sisterhood with people you meet, but that doesn't always work out. And, uh, I was in California I uh, went on a trip, to, it was called a Mojave trip, basically, and went out there with some of the people that are around this this uh, uh, yard, and uh, anyway, we went to uh, a little town, and I can't think of the name of the town, Caliente, and we went to Caliente to see some uh, uh, legless lizards, and uh, and, and con- the condor comes in there, too, but <laughs> so... We, we, we show up there and we park our cars along the side of the road and we're walking towards some railroad tracks. And I think I'm thinking we're on public land and uh, a, a, a car comes up and stops 
and uh, gets out. A guy gets out and he starts hollering at us that we're on private property. And uh, one of the, the local guys we were with, uh, Ryan, uh, basically told him to go. Uh, what's pound sand? Yeah, jump off a cliff, whatever. And uh, excuse me. And then the uh, and so uh, the guy made some threats and got back in his car and left. And another guy showed up in a jeep, and. He gets out of the Jeep and he's got a Ruger semi-automatic and he brandishes this weapon and uh, he's, he's yelling at us and he's telling us, do we need to leave this? Pro I think we're still on public land, but we're next to some private land and it's owned by some lawyer in Wyoming. And this guy's telling us that the land is owned by a, a lawyer in Wyoming and he's here to run us off. Uh, meanwhile, he's just committed a felony. Uh, and he's standing next to his Jeep with this with this rifle. And uh, so I'm taking pictures of him with the rifle and his license plate. Uh, <laughs> just so in case things, you know, <clears throat> get worse. And uh, I, I, again, Ryan uh, uh, jumps up and, and, and tells the guy again to go. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm getting all kinds of hand gestures here as I look around. <laughs> <laughs> around the circle. Yeah, and we're just looking for these puny lizards. And, and I, I still think, I still maintain, we never were on private property. We were still on the right-of-way of the road. And so why a guy would risk going to prison for some lawyer in another state was was beyond me. And our our, our buddy Ryan was just, oh, he wasn't taking any, anything from this guy. Eventually the guy drove off and left and... Uh, and and so that was kind of a sketchy moment. I had I've never been in a situation where guns came out <laughs> before. That was that was like oh okay. So you know I'm at the I get behind the car, so I've got at least a car between me and this knucklehead while I'm I'm taking forensic evidence here. And uh, so that that was the uh, that was the bad part of that little expedition. We, we I think we managed to get a legless lizard somewhere else. But while we're driving down into Caliente, just prior to this, um, we look over. There's like an old orchard. These old trees, and maybe they're almond trees or whatever. And there's these big black birds on the ground under the trees, and they look like turkey buzzards, uh, but they're they're the size of turkeys. I mean, they're, they're these big, fat things on the ground, and they're kind of waddling around. And I look at, I think Matt and Tim and I look at each other, we're like, are those condors? And then we all looked at each other, and what do we say? No. No. <laughs> nah, yeah. It can't be condors. So we, the things happen, the herps happen, and we come back through. And the birds are gone. And only later did we find out that Caliente is really like ground zero for California condors. Uh, so our, our official sighting of California condors was not the majestic birds uh, you know, rising on thermals, you know, over the canyon. It was these, you know, fat turkey looking things uh, rolling around in the shade underneath the trees. So... <laughs> By an abandoned trailer, allegedly, allegedly abandoned, and 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 so every time I'm in the car with with Matt and Tim, and we see turkey buzzards, it's like, are those condors? And we say, no. no. <laughs>
<laughs> so that one is never going to go away. So anyway, thanks so much, guys, for participating. I appreciate it. Uh, I thank you for giving me your time. Um, I really enjoy every one of your company. Uh, it's been a pleasure and a privilege to be out here in the field with you. And even though Armin put us through our paces today and I walked like 15 miles and I burned up like 15 calories, uh, it was still a great time and I appreciate it. And I really need to go get another beer. So say goodbye, everyone. That's it for our episode 38. I want to thank all of the folks who participated in this weekend at Armin's and for sharing their stories. Extra large helpings of thanks to Gina and Dom and Armin and Pat and Tamara for their hospitality. And another shout out to Greg Avant for his fantastic jambalaya. Yum. And I want to say thank you once again to Jeremy Schumacher, Neil Jones, and Alec Gordon, and all of the folks who support the show. And if you would like to throw a few bucks in to keep the show rolling, please visit patreon.com slash so much pingle, and so much pingle is one word, or contact me directly for Venmo and PayPal options. Now, before I go, remember that you can find all of the recorded episodes and show notes at so muchpingle.com. And you can also join the So Much Pingle Facebook group to follow the show and interact with me and some of my guests and other cool herpsters. And as I mentioned earlier, I am at so muchpingle at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And until we meet again, please take good care of yourselves and don't forget to hurt better. <laughs>